Hi folks, thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. We do need your support. We're an entirely independent, ad-free, sponsor-free podcast platform that wants to be able to continue to have conversations without the interference of editorial lines and corporate interests. And if we've learned anything over the last few months, it's that independent media really matters nowadays. So please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It's the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. It's the price of a fancy cup of coffee for you once a month, but for us, it's mics on and you're creating the space for conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. It's not a one-way street. You get all of our podcasts, all of our back catalogue in one consolidated feed, entirely plea-free so you don't have to listen to me beg for your support, and you get the podcast as quickly as I can turn them around, including this week alone, a troubling but necessary conversation that we had with Nadia Hardman, who is the author and lead researcher behind the report into the massacres that have occurred on the Yemen-Saudi Arabia border. A really powerful podcast, and we're very grateful for Nadia taking the time to join us. There was also the latest from the lads on the ditch on Leo Varadkar versus Sippo, and plenty of exclusives to stay behind the paywall. It's not that we say anything defamatory, it's just that, well, I just don't want to be dealing with legal letters, I get enough of them as it is. Anyway, all of those are available right now at patreon.com forward slash tortoise and if you're not in a position to join us, recommend us to a friend. Send a WhatsApp to someone and tell them to give us a listen. If you see us on social media, maybe give us a retweet or give us a share because it's word of mouth again. No ads, no sponsors. We don't have the budget for it. I'm sorry to have to keep repeating myself, but we do rely entirely on you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I'm shutting up now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and I'm back flying solo, folks. We couldn't get the other fella out of bed before 2 p.m., uh, he does. Uh, he does struggle every now and then. And and uh, it, it, look, we'll. I'll give him a pass today, but only today. The, the 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 bad weather has me in bad mood. So maybe it's not. Maybe it's better that he, that I didn't get him when I rang him. Uh, listen, we are delighted to be rejoined on the podcast by two returning guests. But we've never had them on together before. Uh, and we've had we've had Michael Rafferty uh, on previously to tell us about on Arctic on Arctic Glass and some of the work that those guys were doing. And he is now um, the program officer with them and. Cork City Council uh, councillor Lorna Bogue, who who is also a member of Arthur Glass, is, rejoins us. Uh, Lorna, first of all, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. And Michael, it's good to see you. Great to see you, Tony. Hey, Tony. Uh, listen, guys, I, I I obviously you have this. You have launched what we're calling a program document, and it is politicising climate, the alternative to eco austerity. Uh, I just think you know. Uh, when I read that immediately, the first thing that jumped out at me was, yes, great, brilliant. I love this idea. Because if you recall when, uh, and you will recall, because you were both pre, pre, uh, prior to your uh, current incarnations in politics, you were both involved in, in the Green Party. And you remember the program for government discussions that went on. And there was one phrase that was used uh, a couple of times, once by, I believe, Pascal Donoghue and certainly by Michal Martin. They said, this government must avoid the perception of austerity. They used. They said the perception of austerity, which was an unusual way of saying, you know, uh, people are people have come out of the the the, first, the last crash, and we and we said, oh, austerity is the only way. We'll have to cut our way out of it. Now we're coming out of the COVID pandemic, and we have to avoid the perception that people are going to suffer. And yet we know that whether they call it austerity or not, here we are again. Whereby I think it was Kieran Nugent who was who was a demon for posting the. Um, 
the, the, the data as you get it from the OECD that showed before social transfers, for example, uh, the medium income of Irish single mothers is €8,119, less than half that in in um, the Netherlands and Sweden and 40% below the EU average. Um, I would call that austerity. I would call that very much um, austerity. So first of all, guys, tell me how you're going to use eco-socialism class consciousness to avoid uh, the austerity that we're told we need if we're going to take the climate action that's necessary? Well, I, I'll jump in on that first. Um, I, I I found that uh, perception of austerity thing um, really kind of honest from the government, a surprisingly honest um, admission from them because uh, I, I know in Cork City Council, Government councillors get really mad um, every time I talk about austerity <laughs> um, and tell me that they absolutely are not doing austerity, um, and then start me uh, start calling me all all the names under the sun for uh, even daring to mention that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose the first thing is actually to identify um, eco austerity uh, for what it is, um, because um, I suppose. What we kind of go through in the document is that um, our current sort of ideas of green politics or environmentalism are very much framed around, oh, well, people should people should be doing less, people should have less, people should, um, you know, uh, go and, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, suffer hardship. Um, in order to uh, help the climate, help the environment. And of course, we all have to put our shoulder to the wheel. And, you know, you you would remember yourself like back in 2008, like that was precisely the same logic. Yeah. Um, and um, we, we we go through that um, in the document and, and make it clear that, um, you know, the, the, the climate um, crisis that we are um, experiencing uh, in a really sort of Mad Max type of way in Europe at the moment um, is something that uh, has been created um, through, I suppose, the way that everything in our everyday lives is organised um, by the ruling class. Um, people uh, who are workers and carers um, or, you know, just the single mothers that you were um, talking about there, like they don't have much of a say in how um, production happens. Um, so if that production happens in a way that uh, puts a lot of carbon into the atmosphere, um, people at the moment don't have the uh, agency to do anything about that. Um, they don't have the power um, to do anything about that. Um, and yet they also have to pick up the tab then for the outcomes of that. So it's uh, just making that concept clear at people's minds because it is greenwashed. You, you, you know? do spend a, a quite a bit of time, um, Michael, going in the document, in the in the in the program document, outlining kind of a um, a way. How did we get here? You know, like the thirty years of uh, the thirty years of liberalism uh, that was, you know, the 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 the, yeah. the, the Blair, uh, Clinton, Thatcherite, um, and you know, you don't necessarily use their names, but you know, we we're, we're familiar enough with with the phraseology. Within that, one of the things that's actually interesting, I suppose, is is how you try to outline to people that what Lorna was saying there is with that individual responsibility isn't going to get it done if the same if the same extractive model that, uh, that for the last thirty years is going to get it done. How so? Was that was that was why you spent so much time? You think framing it in such a way, like, because it's 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 the bulk of of the of the of the document. 
Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of things in there. First is, uh, you know, you mentioned this as a program document and we're very, you know, we, we make it very clear when, when our party produces uh, documents like this, that they, these are part of a program and the whole purpose of that program is to take us out of neoliberal ring and to create the conditions um, <clears throat> using uh, power in workplaces, communities and homes, class consciousness, and on the other hand, um, kind of state power. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think the other thing is like you, you were talking about, you know, the kind of long history of of, uh, of eco austerity there, and I think like um, the way that we try to frame it is that it is a continuation of um, of, of policies which have been gone, gone back even before the the financial crash in a way. Um, but in terms of like, I'm just thinking about the, the, your your introduction line there. You know, we need to avoid the perception of of, um, of austerity. Mm. I mean, I think the thing is that. Eco austerity has become the permanent uh, policy of the state. Like austerity is one of the one of the the kind of um, uh, unchanging planks of um, of policy in countries like Ireland, and uh, it doesn't just have to be in response to, for example, um, a, 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 def- a financial deficit because of a, a bank bailout or whatever. It can be the it can be the the kind of active um, failure to invest in uh, in public goods, failure to provide people with with uh, securities through the uh, welfare state. Welfare state and failure to address infrastructural things, and and, and you come. We'll come to these some of these because you talk very, and we. It's important we get to that kind of workers' rights. You know, um, improving the, the the vulnerabilities around. Um, it's a pity Martin's not here because if he just nodding his head talking about you know precarious work, but 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 on that, like there was one really um one really one sentence that really struck me, and I I think I've uh, bastardized it here, but I've written down that uh, unfortunately our democratic model, going back to this idea of 30 years of neoliberalism, our democratic model very much sees investor sentiment as democratic capital. I think that's a really, really clever way of framing something. Get yeah, thoughts. No, no, I mean, I, I think the, the this is part of like one of the big things that we try to draw out in the like it's the reason that that the, that the document is titled the way it is, politicizing climate, because we think that we spend a long time in the in the first part of the document basically saying how climate, as with uh, other kind of big political issues of our time, has become depoliticized, and so the role of political parties, eco-socialist political parties, is to politicize um, uh, people on it, and uh, one of the ways that we kind of or one of the things that we analyze um, one of the the kind of phenomena that uh, that um, we recognise as being specific to this kind of um, since twenty fifteen, uh, when politics turned its 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 head more seriously towards the uh, the climate question as a policy question, is that uh, we have you know we we are in a period of climate alienation. You know, even those who want to act, who want to really become ethical consumers, who want to uh, demonstrate the correct way of living and all of this kind of thing, they they are not engaging actually in the politics. Like you know, they're they're only doing only uh, engaging in. In um in acts which are sort of li- 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 lifestyle lifestyle climate action. Um, so, oh, exactly. And so, I mean, if we think if we think of how the uh um you know the role of policy and the and and that uh sort of it allows this kind of normative assumption of uh you know uh, the state is there to uh drive forward climate action by balancing the concerns of the economy versus uh versus people. And this is kind of this is something which has to be understood as a political question in, in and of itself. And so that's really the purpose of the document, it's and, and that it's political. Lorna, you want to come in, go ahead. Well, it's it's not just us who are saying this. Like the uh, the IPCC report was very clear last time that the, the, the political economy is the thing that actually needs to change. And this is a scientific kind of report. Um, so even even the likes of them now are kind of saying, no, sorry, like it's it's the way that things are organized is actually kind of causing the problem. But I suppose to go back to the climate alienation thing, because like, you know, we know that it's a terminology that maybe 
people wouldn't be quite so familiar with. But like, I, I suppose for me, the concrete example of that was the day that we were launching it. Um, there were um, people protesting outside of Dahl, you know, mm. um, and I suppose the alienation comes into it where, you know, you're kind of on this hamster wheel of activism around climate. You're trying to get changes to happen, but everything that you do is kind of co-opted into reproducing exactly the same thing that you're trying to stop, you know, so it's uh, and, but, I suppose, but, so, yeah. and on the climate alienation piece, because I think it's important to be trying to distill this. Hmm. It's it's because there's always that phrase, you know, um, if you people say I don't care about politics, and this, rest assured, politics has an interest in you, you know. Um, and there's, there's this this element of what what it, what can be extracted from people in this model. So it's it's almost trying to take people out of some of those silos as well. No, was that not the, some of the some of the the, the case around it, whereby? You can link instead of looking at these things as as you know. Okay, we we'll go back to the Spanish um, election recently, where thankfully you know it looks like the right hasn't won and the left is going to cobble together some sort of uh, broader left type thing with, with with one or two. Maybe I think junts are going to be the kingmakers, but nonetheless, it's not ideal. But it's better than having Vox in government. Um, and on the one side of that, one of the reasons some of the left was rewarded, I think, is because the likes of Yolanda Diaz put did do something to tackle precarious work and she did do something about trying to get EU funds to start some of this new green revolution you know whether whether it starts to filter down or not who or even or if it's even enough you know that's a different question but are you trying to get people out of their silos michael well we are we're trying to, the, the, the point is that uh, the type of politics that you the um sort of uh, climate politics that uh, we were describing earlier um is one where uh w- people are acting in a depoliticized space i mean lorna's talking about the um you know uh, climate protesters and you know p- part of the problem is that uh if it, you know when it comes to advancing a um a climate politics you, know, you you have the choice between engaging with the policy sort of garden as it uh, as it exists on an, or on the other hand then you kind of protest against that and uh, I think people are that that is the kind of hamster weight effect I think where you know you can you can throw your 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 life into one or the other but um, in the end it's it, it's it's not really breaking out of the the mold of things so but w- the, the central point of of uh, of the document is that um, th- this political question has been depoliticized it means that it, climate affects everyone and uh, the way that um, that climate politics is is kind of grappled with by people to, uh, even the way they think about it. Um, it's it's not it, it isn't framed in a way that gives them any agency. It isn't framed in a way that they can do anything about it. Um, that uh, that that is uh, kind of would radically change. Do, do you worry though? And do do either of you worry that we talk to people too often? Um, and we keep talking about class consciousness. We keep talking at people rather than to them. And this, you know, when we're talking about you know things like hegemony, neoliberalism. Um, uh, you know that there's a lot of um, there's a, like climate well, alienation. I, I know what you mean, but uh, and and I mean we have the, the second part of the document sort of sets out how, how it is. It does, we, and I, I will get there. Yeah, no, but, but, but when it <laughs> but when it comes to it, when it comes to the first thing, the issue on climate, as with neoliberalism and as with many other big political things in Ireland, is that we don't have a frame of analysis that allows us to come up with the ideas to address it. And so the purpose of, of viewing things in this programmatic way that we do means that you start on the basis of analysis. Where are we? How have we got to where we are? And we, what we present in this book is a way of looking at the climate question as a political problem and as a, in a way that gives you avenues, pathways, as we call them in the, in the document. So Lorna, Lorna, what it is actually is the, the main phrase that I'm taking away from this is the idea that we need to definitely move away from you guys were calling passive governance to active government. 
Yeah, exactly. But I, I suppose, you know, we, we have, we have gotten the feedback on this document. All right. You know, that the language is, um, a bit, uh, high fluting, you know, but I, I suppose that the point of it is again, that we kind of, I've been doing green climate politics. I've been in that space for, um, like seven or eight years now at this point. Um, and I, I suppose there's something that was just a bit depressing about that mm. um, because you can, you'd, and you'd meet people in climate activism who've been at it for decades um, and still things are continually getting worse all the time. So we have to kind of say to ourselves that we need to come up with a new strategy. And I suppose for me, like politics is about ideas. We have to generate ideas if we're engaging in politics. Um, and yes, we have a certain language with which to do that and uh, a ph philosophical kind of framework um, in which uh, we specifically do that. Um, you know, I, I, have is, no, uh, I have no problem with those though, that, with mm -hmm. the language that's used. I'm just saying when we move into the realm of selling, unfortunately, we no, need it's to... Not selling. It's not selling, it's listening. See, I, I suppose like yeah. my, my kind of, the thing that I have kind of brought... Um, into this or that this has also the process of writing this has brought into my own work is that obviously I'm going on the doors all the time um, and mm. I'm running for Europe. So I've got 1.6 million people to go and talk to in the South constituency. Mm. Um, and I suppose my process of canvassing people isn't to uh, go and hit them over the head with, uh, you know, here's what I think. The way that I sort of discuss these issues with people is to not even start from the perspective of climate, but actually to ask people or to present people with three kind of thoughts. You know, the first is um, everybody wants change. Uh, everybody knows what needs to change, but nothing ever happens. And then I ask people, why do they think that is? Um, and the answers that people give to that question are systemic answers. Um, and I suppose you can be talking to someone you can be talking to a speech and language therapist on one door. You could be talking to a nurse on the next. You can be talking to a cleaner on the next door. And the basic thing that everything comes back to me with is that, well, I know a way that I could actually do things at work that would make my life easier and also would be more efficient, you know, um, and or, you know, as a carer, this is something mm. that the state could do to help me. So yeah. everyone actually does have ideas around it. But I suppose for us, like active governance is not that you have to go and ring up a minister or ring up um, a, a, a council representative or ring up somebody who is there just to represent you and comes to your door every five years or so to check that that's all right. It's that you can actually within your own workplace um, engage in workplace democracy, that you and your own community can engage in democracy it's, um, it's, and have that conversation. It's also you know? about it's also about taking back the public realm and increasing the public sphere is very clear in this document that that, yeah. that, that is something that needs to happen. Um, I will say to ta to that actually, uh, when we talk about the framing and come back to Michael, it's really important. You talk about you know it's like trying to it's like me um, saying like we'll we'll play a game uh, like play a game of chess, but I won't tell you that I'm playing by different rules, you know. And you have to play with, but within way you have to play within the rules. But I'm not telling you. I'm just going to say no. You can't do that and uh, and change it up. And there is one other really important point in the document around um, climate rhetoric in lieu of policy implementation. So they own the term just transition, well, you know? Well, that, that's it. I mean, it's one of those terms that has become depoliticized, neutered of any radical mm. political intention that it might once have had. And in the end, anyway, I mean, even the best form of, of just transition is 
uh, you know, the phrase that is used by everyone who uses it, this side of the Atlantic and, and the other, is uh, to bring people along on climate action. It shouldn't be about bringing people along. It should be about empowering people and saying that uh, it is, it, you know, there is a cla- there is already a class. That's because we're starting the idea from the basis of let's keep everything as it is in terms of the hierarchy and the power structures, and let's let's have this branding, and, and that's what. Well, yeah, I was going to say. I mean, when you were saying sort of earlier that you know, well, this this is all a bit, you know, when are we actually going to speak to people and all of this kind of thing? There's a certain kind of arrogance if we go around sort of observing the problem but doing nothing to change it. To quote a famous sort of left wing uh, <laughs> philosopher. But uh, you know the, uh, the the thing about it is that there's nothing more hubristic than the climate politics of the of the uh, of the ruling class today. I mean, mm. they know that they are not even making the emissions cuts required. They know that uh, the, the that the money exists. To can, invest can, and can we uh, let's let's go to the like say something like the nature the uh, the biodiversity laws, the nature laws that were that were you know were bastardized and 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 basically um, so many amendments were put forward that all these laws became you know uh, opt ins. They became voluntary. And yet we have to put up with people going on um, media and saying, great day, aren't we wonderful? We've delivered again. And we have to sit there and listen to this. And then I'm, look, I'm being told I'm the bully because I'm saying this actually, you know, it, it's not going to get the job done. Why is it, why is it, why is it worse for me, Laura, to be rude to someone say you, you, you've achieved <laughs> fuck all than that person to actually be lying to the public? Well, I, I was I, I'm also a very rude person, um, as you know, Tony. So um, I, I wrote about this in a, in the journal, but I, I was I was I was watching the whole debate happening um, in front of me because, of course, running for Europe myself, I mm. need to kind of keep an eye on these things. Um, and. I saw Sean Kelly and all of the other Fine Gael MEPs like turn around the night before and say, okay, guys, we're voting for it. And every single sort of person engaged in a, this the, the new liberal policy garden kind of Green Party hacks, uh, might I say, kind of mm. uh, sphere, were, were queuing up to thank him, you know, for his wonderful work. Um, but he literally said in the video, you know, that I have put down some important amendments uh, to this. And, and then when you read the amendments, um, it was like uh, he has he has got at this. Like he 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 has really really got at this. And this is the second time actually that that's happened because um, there was a there was a directive brought in about um, buildings as well, and uh, Kieran Cuff was the yep. rapporteur for that one. I remember. Um, that. And uh, they went into like a midnight meeting, and then Kieran had to come out afterwards. And he got, he got, he got told. Oh, I think <laughs> the, the Italian uh, representatives were not very pleased with him either. You know, he got a lot of, uh, and 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 yet we had to re- repackage failure as a success. And that's actually concessions to Sean Kelly as well. Um, mm. And that, of course, was because I, I suppose they're in government with Fine Gael and yep. uh, Sean Kelly went in and told them. Uh, what's what and the green party just went and said yeah okay you know jump how high like you know yeah, well that's not fair they didn't they came out the next day and they said look what we've got across the line here guys no we didn't get everything no it's not perfect <laughs> but but i still have my name on this thing so they i uh, look we're, we're becoming we're, we're i don't want to person but i do think that that's really important because that's what we're talking about here it's that framework that we can we're we're supposed to you know we're supposed to just look at things in those terms and so let's I suppose one final thing before we get to the actual um, the framework and, and what you're suggesting uh, finance has been mentioned a few times I don't know if you saw yesterday Bank of Ireland announcing pre-tax profits in the first six months of a billion quid 
Uh, and that was basically all on the basis of the ECB's rate, interest rate hikes have just made it more profitable for them. They haven't had to lift a finger. They haven't had to be, you know, going back out into the marketplace. There are no real green loans out there. There's no, there's no, um, there's no incentive for them to do it. Uh, I put it to you before we get to the to, to what you want to change. It'll be death by finance now in 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 the current uh, in the current. Um, economic cycle because the cost of living crisis we put to us Michael that we just can't we don't have the money for it well uh, that, that might be true but I mean that would be a relevant critique of a policy document that sets out here are the five or six things that the states can build and do or whatever that, that would really change things and this is how much it would cost and all the rest of it and we actually avoid that whole um, uh, way of presenting our ideas here I mean in the, towards the end of the, the document you know we um, we get into sort of establishing right well what does a program actually looked like that would uh, address all of the bits of the the climate um uh question um it asks then uh, like what what areas are the in you know so we, ha- we we the first item we have there is labor legislation Hang on, we so I just explain for the benefit of listeners if you don't mind it's just so we to cover area that you want to look at the transitional measure then the transformative measure so you know taking the, the going from not not being naive and saying we can't we can just change everything tomorrow and then who are going to be the actual change makers the cha- agents of change so uh, Let's go look at the labour one first of all, okay? We've got to remember we're still in a country that doesn't have uh, collective bargaining, doesn't recognise, doesn't have a directive for um, working to, moving towards the living wage despite making all sorts of promises. You know, it's again, look at what they say and what they do. To explain how we get how we do that transition then from that, from from this such a low bar, how do we, we move there? Well, uh, there's already an idea which packaged, which is mentioned mentioned in in, uh, in our uh, document, which is the Trade Union Left Forum Bill, um, which was advanced in it all, I think, last year or the year before, and um, it it tries to address the practical um, concerns with regard to um, the uh, the right of uh, trade unions to access workplaces, uh, the right to to mandatory trade union uh, recognition, but it also does. I mean, the the main policy kind of uh, plank of it is uh, to get rid of the uh, Industrial Relations Act and to really put um, trade unions back in a position where they can start to grow their membership, they can start to grow their importance within the um, uh, within the economy and within within the political system. Because, I mean, the problem with um, social partnership um, has been that uh, the, you know, the trade unions basically in the last 20 years have, you know, we can say there, there, there were arguments presented on both sides in it or whatever, but, uh, you know, the result of it was that um, the uh, trade unions were sort of part and parcel of uh, what became Celtic Tiger Ireland, and yep. um, in the process of austerity afterwards, they were further emasculated from that. Still tied to the kind of ship of state on that, and it's not that we think that trade unions need to be demonstratively radical in the kind of like uh, seeding of political ideas and all of this. They need to be in a growth kind of orientation when it comes to um, uh, going into new sectors of the economy. To we we talk forever about precarious workers. The uh, Deliveroo workers were have been out in recent weeks mm-hmm. um, uh, um, on on different issues, you know. But um, like uh, th- these are these are uh, whole um, strata of, uh, of of workers that are not really uh, involved in in the in the trade union um, movement. And so this is not uh, this is yeah. There's a certain bit of that that's to do with with how the last kind of twenty years have gone. And what yeah, and 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 I had a very interesting conversation with Brendan Ogle about this recently about the state of trade unionism and you know you use the word radical I, I called for him to be radical and he said just remember this many of our members are conservative and it's kind of you know it's 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 a it's a it's a it's an admission for from Brendan but there you, here we are like you know that's the that's the status that we've gotten ourselves the, the, where so we have to 
Unfortunately, throughout the Western world, it has been the case that the trade union movement have been the kind of social conscious of, of the social democratic parties like UK Labour and whatever else has been the trade unions that have tried to, to, to mitigate against their, their slide to the right and all of this kind of Blairism and third way. And our own, our own Labour Party is, uh, the, the, the relationship between the trade unions and our own Labour Party is, uh, follows that um, almost exactly. So they're, they're, they're in a position that they need, uh, they need avenues for alternative kind of um, actions, I would say. And I suppose what we're trying to say to the trade union movement with this document is that don't treat the, the uh, climate issue as a just transition or some kind of bolt on to your existing kind of um, trade union socialist politics and organising and all the rest of it. Try to see that climate is a fulcrum issue for capitalism globally. And Ireland has placed itself, because of its uh, developmental trajectory over the last 20 or 30 years, has placed itself at a certain position uh, when it comes to, to global capital. So you can be really politically very powerful here if you act adroitly, if you uh, try to get rid of the barriers that are stopping you from organizing effectively. And so that's why like, this is a climate document here. And the mm-hmm. first, uh, the first uh, order of business is freeing the trade unions up to, to do what they should be doing, you know. Yeah, and and I think uh, that's why I was I like that kid like seeing that uh, old lie. But uh, again, we you know um, we just need to be very conscious of um, you know uh, the you say giving them the, the framework. This you I suppose you're suggesting is moving towards more cooperative me- methods. You know, moving towards well, we, uh, do and we don't. I mean, uh, the, the the purpose of that that's just a kind of an enabling thing, really. Uh, the, yeah, you know, the, the labor legislation needs to be changed to allow trade unions to to act as they as they should be allowed to. But all of the other parts of it, and we'll just go through it, like the different areas are energy production and distribution, agriculture, mm-hmm. transport, housing, industrial production, and health and care. In all of those, the agents of change are workers. And yep. we try to identify four trade unions, which workers here are key to this to uh, to, to, to this issue. And the thing is that uh, if in, in America at the moment, there's a kind of, um, there, there, there's a, you know, there's a just transition means something slightly different in a sense there, because it really is about those unionized workplaces and whatever becoming retrained or, or staff being given good uh, exit payments and all of this kind of thing. This is what the kind of just transition sort of um, uh, represents to, to, to the labor um, movement there. But what we're trying to say is that these these workers here, there are, there's loads of them in Ireland, like, you know, food processing workers, college workers, agriculture workers, forestry workers, small farmers. Sure, how many hundreds of thousands of people are we talking about mm. um, in the Irish context uh, there? And how many of them are actually represented by trade unions currently? And um, and how many of them are, are in politicized workplaces in that sense? Like, you know, we saw during COVID in the abattoirs and in the food processing places where, um, you know, uh, you know, union kind of action was springing up out of nowhere. And the reason for that was that, uh, you know, um, uh, the firms were treating their, were expecting the workers to go into a dangerous, dangerous workplace. And uh, th- th- that kind of had a, a bit of a bubble there because of the, the situation. But this needs to be a kind of long-term growth trajectory for trade unionism uh, to involve all of these workers that, um, that haven't been kind of uh, involved. Now, there's another section here, energy production and distribution. Electricity supply workers are represented, uh, well, electricity workers in general are represented by four separate unions. Mm. Uh, and uh, each of them have their own different concerns because they deal with different parts of the of, of the workforce with uh, with different concerns and all of that. Our point is to say, this is the case. But what you can do is, uh, uh, you don't need to worry about this just transition thing and just looking after your own thing. You can be in more control. You can have a higher um, leverage against your, uh, your, your employer and you can have a more democratized workplace because you are so central uh, to the decarbonization process. And uh, I mean, I saw, um, um, I think it was uh, Patrick Bresnan, uh, 
it was at least Patrick Bresnan who shared it. I think he was sharing his own article. I think uh, so. On the, the board in Amona. Um, fact. Yeah, he visited the, the, the plant, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's that's an example there of, um, of uh, you know, um, I guess uh, going to, uh, um, that, that's, that's an example of going to workers with the idea of, look, you, you're not, you don't have to be passengers in this, but you can be agents. You, you, you know, you, you can, um, you can bargain and you can leverage uh, if if you organize yourselves to do so. And um, we haven't, uh, but we haven't mentioned like uh, in that. So I can see how that is some way, Lorna, in, in the in the politics of this. That's some way if you can explain to people how um, you will you will actually be better off. You'll be financially better off. You'll you'll be you know you'll be in a better stead. You'll probably be in a, in a more as as Michael said a more democratized workplace. You'll be you'll have more skin in the game for want of a better term. But how how do we how do we move that into the same well? And actually, it'll also help us you know green our bloody greener our cities and clear our air and help our water. You know is uh, you know because those those are the things that will have to happen in those in these in these clean jobs. Well, yeah, yes, indeed. But I suppose in, in the in the start of the document, we kind of go through how it is in the interest of workers and carers to do this, and that actually, um, when it comes to um, viewing the class politics of climate as it currently exists, um, we are the only class actually that has the capacity to address climate crisis. Um, but um, we 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 also kind of go into this point in. Um, talking about um, environmentalism as taking a sort of moralistic kind of point of view, because like, you know, like, you know, having having a clean environment, um, all of those things like that, that is good from a material kind of perspective for people. Um, you know, we all obviously want that. And I think if people were given the choice, they would choose to have that um, because it would be, you know, that's just sensible but like uh, th- there's there's uh, I think there's a lot there's too much of this moralism about oh well we have to do the right thing you know it's not about that um and actually I would generally and this document generally prioritizes the first end of things which is that mm. you know uh, like I I don't really care about the morality around it like I I think that people should um in their own interest, um, be doing things that um, you know put put us as workers and carers in a position of um, actually doing the things that we want to do and having 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 that kind of uh, you know thinking about what is possible as opposed to what is not possible all the time. Um, I, I think that that's something that is a uh, is a you know less alienated way of yeah. thinking um, because people that I meet on the doors um, they would all like more agency. They would all like more. Um, they would all like more of a say over um, their own lives, um, and a lot of people feel like really sort of alone. And as you're saying earlier, in silos or not listened to, or everyone kind of has their own struggle, and you kind of have to keep the head down um, all the time and don't make too much of a fuss. But if we actually connect all of our struggles together, which is through seeing ourselves as workers and carers, that we are the agents of change. No one else is going to change it for us. It's actually us um, who is going to do it. Um, you know, I, I think but you, that, certainly, uh, you certainly won't yeah. get it from our from our, our politics currently. No, it's not going to happen. Like, I mean, I, I pointed it out today and it was a bit tongue in cheek because I know there are different circumstances, but it's not entirely different when you saw, you know, the the job losses in Accenture and the Taoiseach informing the IDA and, and, the, and, and the groups to actually help the, the staff that have lost their jobs find new jobs. 
And then at the same time I was able to show, because I went into the Iceland store on Talbot Street and met with the workers there, and they were told the Taoiseach is committed to trying to get in touch with the owner of the Iceland store. Like, that was really, like, you know, he's he's gone, he's done the full, and I hate to be, he's gone, he said, he said he'll talk to the manager. You know, like, yeah, it's just well, crazy. See, this, this is where the transformative measure in the in the labour legislation comes in, because in in a in a in a state where there was um, more democracy and um, that that there were there was actual actual democracy democracy in that workplace, like what we would be looking at is that the workers would actually be able to um, take over that concern and they would receive state assistance for doing so. I mean, like when 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 we were thinking about this, like obviously we we're thinking about the Debenhams workers and you know, like rather than just the politicians coming along and giving this mealy-mouthed kind of like, well, we're just going to let, um, you know, whoever owns uh, that particular means of production, like, yeah, they, we're they, just going to let them do what they want, you know. Debenhams and, 2.0, Cleary's yeah. 3.0 and on and on and on we go. Um, but, but Michael, it's just a um, couple of real uh, interesting things though. I don't know if you listened to any of our pods with Dan Nickstrom in, in, in uh, Helsinki. He talks about, you know, yeah, you talking about uh, uh, limiting the prices for energy, for example. That's something that will have a very real change for people in their day-to-day existence. He was able to say they can go in on the market and see how much the company they're they're buying their unit price at. And he was saying, I think it was, you know, it maybe was going as low as, say, $0.04 cent up to $0.14 cent for what, whatever the, the, the price range was. And in Ireland, there was no equivalent, there was no equivalent, but what he could find was, see, we started around $0.60 cent. You know, we don't have that knowledge. So this is about that as well. Give, giving those people, giving people the knowledge to do that is is is, is as much as is is as important as um, as as uh, as actually um, you know the, the, the democratization of workplaces. Giving them the knowledge to 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 make those informed decisions. Well, I think like what, the way that we kind of talk about uh, the price controls on on energy there is a, as a transitional measure. So that's something that that the state would have power to do now. And of course, I mean, uh, France spent much of the last year uh, nationalizing parts of its uh, um, uh, energy production markets, and um, this is something which uh, which ought to have been done here, of course, because energy the energy companies are you know have behaved disgracefully over the last couple of years. Particularly, uh, uh, Ford Gush, Ford Ford Gush announcing that they're not making any money, and yet the parent company is isn't yeah. record well, profits. Obviously, being transferred to somewhere like people are paying yeah. for it, you know. So, yep. um, but anyway, the the point is that. That's a transitional measure that, that can be done with existing policy instruments with with uh, with the, the the present power of the state. Um, it's just not inclined to do so. But the real transformative measure is beside it, which is a ten year plan for full electrification of energy use. And the thing is that if you talk to energy workers that are involved in energy uh, production and distribution, they are the people saying we need a, we need something like a ten year plan, which is impossible given the way that uh, at the moment, given the way that that market is coordinated and the way that uh, the state kind of um, interferes with it and indeed where where in which those workers are mere employees which uh they 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 aren't in a, in a position where they can sort of instruct management though no, if you want uh if you want to uh um to, if, if we want to grow our kind of like renewable energy uh market or improve its distribution or whatever we need to do this kind of economic planning thing there's nobody come because workers are kind of the, the expert workers there are are uh, disenfranchised in their workplaces because they work for private organizations um, there's no there, there's no other way to suggest that, and this is the whole the, like this comes back to the the to the cause or the, the 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 kind of central crux of this document, which is that the only people who are actually going to take the um, the action necessary on climate are our workers, and we need to find a way to empower them, and we think that that's by politicising them on it. So I think going around like you know you were asking earlier on about how 
how we actually speak to people on this. I mean, we, in, in, on many of these measures, we have spoken to um, to, to, to people who, who, are, who are working in those areas about it. And um, the idea behind this, actually, I mean, we've just talked about energy now, but I went through the, the, the rest of the measures, uh, mm-hmm. the rest of the policy areas that we're in. But like, but this is kind of the, the framework for a second document that we are going to produce next year. We're going to use this document that we're talking about today to go around trade unions and, um, and other organizations um, to try and uh, come up with a, a, a workers' decarbonization plan for Ireland uh, that puts them in the driving seat of it. And um, this would be something which deals with, um, you know, the the hard numbers of um, uh, electricity uh, uh, supply and demand and uh, and emissions and all the rest of it. Yeah. And to prove both in the kind of policy mindset thing that there is an alternative, of course, but also to to, to kind of radicalize the people who are who are most intricately involved in that. Because the rest of us are outside of it all. Yeah, Lorna, I just isn't it funny though? Some of these ideas. We have we keep having to use this word radical because that's what we're told we're all radicals. Yet it shouldn't be radical to when you look at what the ambitions are. You know, for for free tra- for, uh, public transport, for affordable uh, housing, for um, and secure housing. You know, we could rent controls. Uh, it shouldn't be radical to think that you know um, the when we can stop the big conglomerate agriculture uh, practices that are, you know, making it more difficult to 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 have, making our, actually putting food sustainability. Why are we the radical ones, Lorna? <laughs> well, I mean, like, we're, we're not really, like, I mean, it's, it's, uh, well, I kind of go back and forth in radicalism as a term all the time. Um, like, again, I, I think I spoke to you before about how it is kind of used as a dirty word um, in an Irish sort of political context. But um, no, I, I mean, like none of, none of these things are even that radical from, a, you know, looking at other places kind of perspective. But we don't really want to necessarily go into even the case of, oh, this model is really good and we should just go and lock, stock and barrel apply it to an Irish context. Like, I, I think that this this is a program, you know, and I suppose the reason, again, why we kind of talk about program as opposed to policy is that like analysis is the very important first part of it. Um, and we have to analyze, you know, like I, I think I think to some extent we do actually address um, why why is this seen as radical um, in the start the document well you, you know, do you, you like yeah, yeah mind that because it's obviously it's outside of the um the conventional thinking of uh of 30 years of this is how like i mean we spoke about how things have been framed from the outset and how you any 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 deviation to see this look i suppose oh, look i want to bring this to it's a, a close thinking of the ruling class see that's yes. the problem like we, we we live we live in a in a country that is uh you know, run by a hegemony. Um, and like, did, did, you, did, did you see my? Did you see my? Uh, um, I, one of these tweets that went viral the other day, where where Phyllis says, "Tell us what your what your hometown is known for." Uh, and I, obviously, Dublin is getting a, getting an awful kicking at the moment. Like everybody, and uh, you know, I I happen to love Dublin, so I, I said Dublin currently is known for uh, rich people telling middle class people to blame poor people for all its problems. And yeah. um, but that is very much the framing, and you deviate outside that, and they say, "Well, you're um, you know, you're um, you're anti-guard." No, not anti-guard. Well, parts of me is, but in a different context. You know, I I, I work. I think there's got to be a lot of work done in terms of the police service. Uh, I, but that, that's that's a different. Uh, I'm certainly not anti a guardie being visible on the street when someone needs help or when anybody needs to call them. I'm not anti any of that. But I find it quite disheartening when we talk about how things are framed. 
very last thing, guys. If people look, all right, the 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 link to the actual document, if you want to read it, is embedded in this podcast now. So it'll be at the bottom. All you got to do is click and have a read if you want to if you want to have a look through. But if you want to get involved, or if you want to if you want to actually uh, reach out to Lorna or Michael, how do people uh, get involved and get active in this? Well, if they they can either message the Twitter account or find us on Instagram or Facebook or. Um, you know, look me up or um, go onto the Unrarity Glass website. Like, uh, there's there's any number of ways of contacting us at this point. Well, Mike, Michael's a traditionalist. He, he if you don't, yeah, uh, uh, well, you, you need a no, stamped address envelope. Yeah. Uh, um, no, those are the ways to get in touch with us. But I was just, I, I wanted to come in a little bit earlier and before you wrap up, but please do. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was a, it was just this, this. I think we are we are very self censoring when it comes to ideas of radicalism. You know. Um, like I like I think that uh, there's everyone knows that there's an objective need for revolutionary change when it comes to to climate. Everyone knows that the 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 extent uh, the scale of changes required are is revolutionary in scale. Um, the capitalist class class can go around touting their new product, whether it's a, an EV or um, or or something else, as as being a revolutionary product and all the rest of it. Why is it that uh, we who engage in politics are not allowed to to um, uh, to, to use those terms? Uh, without such alarmism being attached to them, and that's the last section of the document is about the revolutionary imperative. And mm-hmm. I think, like you know, the, the the kind of coda on it really is: this is the scale of what needs done. Working people can do it, but it requires people to have a, a revolutionary outlook on what they can do in their uh, workplaces, communities, and homes. So, uh, you know, we're not operating in, in a thing where uh, some people are trying to kind of overthrow the state from a minority position or whatever. We're, we're looking at the climate question, the climate emergency, as one where there is an objective need for revolutionary change. And this is an idea of how to go about it. Uh, look, I, I think it's, um, I, what is it? Uh, I, I want a revolution. Right now, I'd probably settle for a general election, but I do want, you know, <laughs> the heart wants what the heart wants. Uh, Lord Bogue and Michael Rafferty, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I hope... Um, I, I hope you found it useful to even talk it out with it with uh with with, with someone who kind of I as I said I I kind of got I probably got lost too long in the in the language of it so I didn't mean I don't mean anything by that but I do think it's important that you know we 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 bring people into that space where you're showing how everybody um stands to benefit because there, this can't be done without the the working class it cannot be done without the the people who actually who who operate the means of production even if they don't currently own them listen folks we'll be back uh on talking about the cam situation uh, and a young lady who's running a campaign to try and get more resources there so we'll be back in your feeds with that as well talk to you soon take care bye-bye tony and martin martin and tony Subscribe now on page.